Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello Ruckers, look at this, we're back for a little midweek treat for you, a special pod with two top draw captains, leaders and legends turned Times columnists to take a trip down memory lane, because the annual Calcutta Cup clash between Scotland and England really has come back to the boil in recent years after a long period of English dominance, so to chat through the recent history of the game, two giants who've played in 17 Calcutta Cups between them, often staring at each other come scrum time. In the blue corner, we've got John Barkley. Hi, John. How's it going? Good, thanks, Will. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Looking forward to Saturday. Um, and in the white corner is a new friend of the Times, Courtney Laws. How are you enjoying being a esteemed writer as well as a player, Courtney? Uh, yes, yeah, different. Definitely different, <laughs> but uh, not nah, all good fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, awesome to have you both on, gents, for this extra rock ahead of Saturday's game. Um, we're going to talk through some memories, stuff that you guys games you played in and remember but let's start with John first as the host I suppose um how are you feeling ahead of Saturday um I don't really know to be honest um it's a strange one I'm, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into it these were always and we'll get into sort of memories I guess a bit later but I, I didn't have many particularly happy memories so I'm always kind of scathed and scorned and marked by that but um yeah I think I think like recent history and you know, five, I think it's five last six gone have held the Calcutta Cup. So it feels a bit more, I don't want to say comfortable, but I also know, you know, I went through a lot of that pain in the, in the sort of the decade before that. So, you know, I set up this generation arguably, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite enough laugh so hard there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, look, I think a bit frustrated probably with um, the France game and it would have been, you know, how exciting would it have been to have, you know, two un- unbeaten sides in Six Nations going out of that's not really transpired. Um, but I think he has sort of um, cautious optimism. Yeah. Courtney, do you have any little pangs this week now that you're retired from internationals wishing you were still involved in a in a punchy week like this? Um, I think I think you always miss the, that side of it, like the playing side, being with the boys, being in the mix and kind of in the thick of it and, you know, going up to a, uh, what is really a tough place to win now. Um, they're definitely the, the bits you do miss, but... At the same time, all the stuff that goes with it, uh, you know, the meetings, the press, the training. Nah, I don't miss that part. You love the press, really. Come on, you're part of it now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's all in there. 
<laughs> so, well, as we said, we'll run through some of your games and and maybe some of the more recent ones as well. But just to get some sort of like Calcutta Cup first memories of watching and playing, John, do you remember when you would have first sat down as a boy on the sofa and tune into one of them, or or, or one that particularly caught you as a kid? I was in the stadium in 2000 and I don't know if I forget the year now. It must have been 2000. Was it 2000 maybe when Andy Nicker was the captain? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was one of the, uh, the pitch invaders at the end of the game. Okay. With a Scotland shirt, kind of running on 13 years old, 14 years old. Um, and that hysteria around that. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, I probably watched it for years before that. Um, and it hadn't been sort of happy watching as as a Scotsman, but yeah, my, the uh, that would probably be my my very first like tangible memory of of watching a game, and maybe I've just erased all the miserable ones before that. But the joy potentially of being there, and you know, th- those games were quite iconic back then, and, and they still are. But probably more so then because it was quite sporadic as to when Scotland would get their hands on that trophy again. Yeah, yeah, I suppose maybe in those days that the Scottish victories were really driven on emotion and sort of sticking one on the English whereas these days it's Scotland have become such a I don't know challenging team to play against that it's less on that kind of heart and soul and more on they're just a quality team yeah I think so and you look back at those particular those games in 2000 and 2000 and then look back at 2008 I think it was or 2008 and they were really scrappy you know that that was probably the 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 framework which Scotland would win in those games back then, like really scrappy, turgid, um, wet weather, all that sort of stuff. And, and Scotland probably thrived in those conditions then, whereas you compare that to now and it's the, the style of play has completely changed. And, yeah. and Scott, people are probably talking more about Scotland's attack than, than anything else. So, um, yeah, they, they were pretty scrappy games back when I used to, when I was playing, I guess 2018 probably being the exception. Yeah. Yeah. So just, uh, Mark those two thousand April the second two thousand uh, yeah at Murrayfield nineteen thirteen um, and then the 08-15-9. So as you say, there was an 6 one in there actually at Murrayfield win eighteen twelve. So tight, tense. <laughs> Courtney, yeah. what about you? Were there were there were you the sort of guy that would watch the big Six Nations games or Five Nations games as a kid, or did you just kind of um, leave it to when you were playing for, the, for your biggest memories? Man, I, I honestly I didn't even know what rugby was. Uh, <laughs> until uh, until probably two thousand two two thousand three, um, okay, um, and then yeah, I still I just still I still didn't really watch rugby, yeah, until I started playing, and then um, by the time I was kind of twenty, I was I was I was in the mix, so I, I was involved in them. So uh, yeah, most of my memories are, f- are from playing there, to be honest. Yeah, so so talk us through that experience of being an English player going to Scotland and I guess it's changed over the decade or so that you played in those games and like how different is it to Ireland or Wales because wherever England go there's a sort of animosity thing isn't it but what's different about Murrayfield and Scotland for an Englishman? Yeah it's a it's a very hostile crowd to be honest there's not even even as an Englishman and you know we know you know, we're not very well liked by a lot of nations, to be honest. But uh, there's not many stadiums you turn up at and you get booed. Uh, but Scotland <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> um, so for me, I always, um, I always quite enjoyed it actually because it, it fires you up a bit, to be honest. When you get off the bus and people are booing you, and you're like, right, okay, I see, I see how it is, kind of thing. So um, yeah, so there is that aspect, and then, and then obviously. Um, 
it, as you said, it has changed throughout the years. But one thing you can guarantee is it's going to be crap weather. Um, it's going to be nice on Saturday. It's actually sunny on Saturday. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, apparently. I don't think I've ever played there and it's not rained, like generally. <laughs> uh, so, so it's always, even though, even when, even when um, the teams are not necessarily as as close in in um, form or or you know ability, it's always a relatively close game just because. You know, there's there's all sorts of different factors involved. One of them being being the weather. To be honest, yeah. So I've heard that. Well, just by the the the, the dint of the stadium. So Cardiff, obviously, you come down Westgate Street and you turn in, and then you're underground, basically, aren't you, in the stadium? Yeah. So you maybe don't get that visceral reaction. The crowd, no, but feels different. Banging on the bus and egg, <laughs> eggs thrown at you and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they get they get piped in. I remember I spoke to Chris Rolshaw about this, and he thought. We just did it for the English team to slow because it's a really slow drive. It's about five. And I, as a player, I remember thinking, "Can we just get off this bus and walk?" Because I always wanted, I want to get in the change room, and it was always a rush. And and he thought we just did it to you guys to, to piss you off, but everyone gets piped in slowly, and it takes forever. I guess we won't get an extra on us. So. <laughs> and then I've heard about when the doors open, especially if you're in the England coach, you just get hit by this kind of wall of booze. Is that about right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you step off the bus and. You're surrounded by Scotland fans booing you. Yeah, it's good crack. <laughs> Any particular sledges you've heard over the years that made you laugh? No, no, no. You don't. You don't hear. Them. I mean, there's so much being yelled at you. You can't really distinguish what they're saying. But you just hear noise and people generally disgruntled. You know that you're even there. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you turned up? Why have you turned up? Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's all good fun. It's part and parcel of it, and it's why it's such a great place to go and play. Yeah. So stay with you, Courtney. Let's look at your um, Calcutta Cup record, which is pretty good. Played 10, won 7, lost 2. Weren't involved in the 2019 draw, 22 or 23. And you've had one, one of the, was a World Cup game in Auckland 2011, so obviously slightly different. But so if you go back to the start of your days playing Scotland, it must have been quite different because England were kind of always expected to win, really. So how did you guys approach that game then when it was sort of almost the pressure of not being the first one to lose for a while yeah i mean it's it makes it no easier to be honest when you're uh when you're the favorite because you've got the pressure of being the favorite on you um again as well as knowing that regardless of how well informed you are and how much ability you've got it's often a wet game and just and and you're English playing away from home against, um, you know, a nation that have been brought up to not like you, um, including the players who are going to be extremely fired up for it, always closes that gap significantly. So um, m- most of the games I've played at Scotland have been really close, uh, you know, one or two scores. Um, and yeah, um, and yeah, regardless, again, of, of you know, whether it's early in the career and obviously now, um, being a lot harder to go and go and win there, um, you know, it's all, it's always a, it's always a, a tough place to go, and and it's generally really close. Was it a place that maybe didn't hold any fear for an English player just because of that record? Like I'm, I was looking from so from the famous game in 1990, that David Soul, the slow walkout, the Piper on the roof, the poll tax, Thatcher, everything else, to that 2018 game which we were both involved in. There were 29 Calcutta Cups in England, won 25 of them. Scotland three one draw, so there was that kind of weight in history in your favour that maybe meant that 
a Murrayfield trip wasn't that daunting. Is that fair? Uh, especially in the kind of early years, I'd say that you were very much expected, and and even if it was, you know, a bit of a dogfight, you, you you back yourself to to still, uh, you know, still turn them over, kind of thing. But yeah, obviously that that changed in a bit of an instant. I did play in that game. When was it? Two thousand eighteen, I think. Mm. Um, that was that was that the one where Finn took them a couple of passes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which which really has has kind of turned the tide over the last kind of five six years, and 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 the generation of players they've had coming through since then have been really you know good players. So it's they've just um, kind of been on on the up and up, and it's you know they've been beating us at home as well as away. So um, yeah, that 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 was kind of um, you know the the biggest one that that 2018 win probably. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we'll get into that one in detail in a sec. So, because John, that was that was your win. Looking at your record, played seven, won one, drawn one. Um, but looking at your sort of early days, that history you mentioned it at the top, without dragging out too many bad memories. What was it about those England games that you couldn't get over the line? Maybe in the early days, uh, they were just much better than us. Simple <laughs> as that. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, they they were a team. I mean, you go back. I started playing two thousand seven. Um, obviously, England got to the final of the World Cup. Um, you know, you fire it on it, and I just think there was a there was a difference of style. Scottish rugby was probably struggling for quality then, and everyone we, we talk a little bit about this kind of generation that's gone through and what's gonna what's coming behind it is probably the concern. So, yeah, my memories weren't fantastic. I um, it was my first Six Nations two thousand eight, and. We lost the two first games, my first Six Nations, and I weekend off went had a ever said have a quiet weekend, and I went to a friend's house, like had some dinner, and someone at the end, very end of night, someone sat on my hand, had a, a glass of wine, and it crushed through my hand and sliced everything open. So I missed yeah. the 2008 game, and people still think I was on the piss that night, and I wasn't. <laughs> and so I watched that game outside. I mean, I was 25th man. Uh, 24th man, whatever, 23rd man, whatever it was back then, and kind of was, I'm standing in the pouring rain outside Murrayfield, kind of waiting for my missus to pick me up and take me home. And I watched it uh, on TV at home, you know, half, you know, delight that Scotland won, but also knowing that I should have been part of that game. Yeah. Um, so then I didn't know then that we'd have to wait, you know, another bloody hell, another 10 years to, to get a win at that point. Yeah, wow. So you, you absolutely, <laughs> I must have been desperate watching it. But So do you actually have bad memories of that win, even though it was a good win kind of thing? Because of the circumstances, yeah, a little bit. And I, I think at the time when you're young and you're just desperate, and your personal pride and disappointment was like so visceral. But um, to corners, but that was another game, and I touched on it earlier. It was a scrappy game, raining. Jason White, um, I remember Jason White, uh, a couple massive instances um, on Paul Saki and and some, uh, another big hit. And it was just that kind of game. A few, a few key moments, and Scotland go ahead. So. Again, there were probably games where we. I remember being in that team now, that team back then, and didn't really feel like we were going to win. That sounds really mm-hmm. uh, pessimistic, but we always went to games hoping to win. Whereas I think now there's probably a bit more expectation, and sometimes people say, you know, Scott will get ahead of themselves. I think Scott, the players certainly are very realistic. Uh, and we've been burnt too many times to get too carried away, but there's a bit more optimism, just probably around the style of play and the players they have to actually be competitive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always something that's said about um, Ireland way back, which has changed over the years, and Wales a bit more recently, it was sort of, that's the one to win kind of thing, the England game, and 
nothing else matters, which is obviously a bit reductive, but was that almost genuinely the feeling in those sort of mid mid noughties kind of times because you guys didn't win lots of Calcutta Cups? Maybe, maybe for fans, potentially. Yeah. It was that, um, you know, partisan kind of pride and, you know, that kind of animosity towards England coming up. And there was that feeling. I remember as a as a player, you're never happy to to win one game. And I remember just being kind of, kind of fed up with, you know, for a number of years that you just weren't getting better. So I think players are always going to, they want to win more. They want to win more. But I think at the time we were just not a good enough side to, to be, you know, to be competitive, capable of, of big wins every so often, but not capable of stringing them together. And that's always, even now still is the challenge of how do you string together, you know, like Ireland, 18 games in a row, or France, 19 games in a row, England, you guys did it in 2021, I think. You know, that's, that's the, that's the challenge. And that's a, that's a, which is a monumental one. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's spool forward a bit. We'll get to 18, but I want to deal with 17 first, which is a good day for Courtney and a bad one from John. <laughs> Big smile, Courtney. <laughs> So, I mean, 61-21, England rampant, Jonathan Joseph hat-trick, England equal the record, 80 wins in a row. Start with you, Courtney. Like, that's one of the great days, isn't it, for an England player to just to do that to a rival? Yeah, yeah, no, that was uh, that was a really good day. And, yeah, that that was like, <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you really say? Pretty much everything we did came up. So, I mean, we I think we scored three or four tries from first phase. Um and you know ends up being a kind a walk in the park to be honest. So yeah, you're just quite you're just quite happy and you don't often get them in test matches, uh, especially towards you know you know after 2016 17, it all started to become pretty close. So uh, so yeah, we were we were quite happy with that. Was that kind of, on the flip side, John, the absolute nadir? Because like from then it has completely changed, hasn't it? Was was there any kind of I don't know, you'd think of the Hollywood film moment of like everyone having a sip of a beer and going, right, this is never happening again. Was it actually like that or was it just a pretty depressed dressing room at Twickenham? Oh, it was awful, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, that was my second game as captain. Um, we beat Wales the game before and we, we probably the start of starting to play a, you know, a better, more consistent brand of rugby and... Um, I remember Vern Cotter the morning and he was a straight shooter, you know, didn't hold any, any sort of set... We had a team walk, and he said to me, "I don't. This doesn't feel right." And I was like, "It doesn't feel right at all." In the morning, and the guys were very, just like too relaxed, I thought, and too almost jovial. And that doesn't necessarily matter. Maybe you know that happens, and you go on and play well. It's easy to say now, but you know, like Courtney says, I remember it was twenty. Yeah, I was captain. I'm, I'm like, how do you ch- how do you turn this around? And we were twenty eight nil down, and they all came from first phase. So I'm not trying to absolve myself of any responsibility, but I didn't miss those tackles. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like, oh, get, get, oh, oh, they scored, they scored again, one of the sticks again, and it was twenty-eight nil, and it was, it was like twenty minutes or something, wasn't it? And the game was done, 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 dusted, and then, you know, everyone's swinging, swing, singing, swing low, and I was like, this is an absolute mare, and you had to endure another sixty minutes of that. Uh, I think he scored a couple of tries later on, but it didn't matter. That was pretty single-handedly the most disappointed I've ever been because I was first, the second game as captain, and sat with Greg Laidlaw after us. I was like, this, you know, this this can't happen again kind of thing and luckily I played in I played in one more I think um, which was yeah. 2018 but yeah that, that 17 game my missus goes to, goes to she's been to the games over the years and she's very emotionally detached from the game and my missus cried after that game so wow. I don't know, it, was that, it was that painful um, but it was just bleak on like Scotland and 
you know, the stuff before and Evan thought oh, we played well against Wales and we'd be in Ireland in the first game. So that was the, you know, triple crown. And it was just a, you know, it was embarrassing. It was one of those, I think that's, that was the main emotion was probably for me was just real embarrassment that I'd been part of something like that. Yeah. So did it take um, coming back for the next Six Nations for that kind of line of sand to be drawn? Or was it kind of done that night, as you were saying with Greg Laidlaw sitting there being like, we cannot do this again? Um, I, I, I probably simmered on that for a year. Um, didn't offer another chance and then was captain the following year. Um, and as well as in games, there's a, there's a bit of sledging and there's a bit of crack always, but you you remember more in games like that. So I kind of stewed on that for, for a little while. And it was probably one of the more emotional changing rooms I'd been involved with because it's quite you see on Netflix it's pretty chilled out before a game now there's no one's no one sort of banging chess and you know but it, that was probably a, a set aside from that where there was a bit more uh I guess just the kind of pain and embarrassment that had kind of been fueled and there was a probably I think there was still probably 10 or so guys that played at Twickenham in 2017 that then played the following year so it definitely felt like it was it wasn't I don't believe that you get revenge because you don't get to play the game again, but it definitely felt there was a lingering kind of like real disappointment. This is a chance to maybe set part of that right. Yeah, was it? Was there an after max function, guys? That was. Were you aware, yeah. Courtney, that you'd that you'd really sort of hit them in the soul as well as on the scoreboard? Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. Like, that maybe it's just me as a player, but I kind of just tried to take each game as it come. Um, and from you know from that part of my career, I was just trying to really enjoy my rugby. So I was just happy to be part of that game. Um, you know, to to you know had a decent influence on the game as well. So um, yeah, <laughs> we don't we don't um, hold quite the same resentment for Scotland <laughs> as they do for us. So we weren't. I will definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, we don't. I don't know. I, I wasn't bothered about rubbing it or anything. But did you, John? Like teams love sort of inventing grievances over the years. It's it's been a historical thing. But you suppose you didn't need to there. But were there things that happened in that seventeen game where you thought, right, payback time in twenty eighteen, or was it not quite as sort of? No, it wasn't. It was just a. It was a real. Uh, yeah, it was. A, it, was a, it was. It was stronger than a humbling. It was you know a humiliation. So I think if you don't take a bit of that personally, you know something's probably wrong. And I think. Any whether it's England or Wales or if you put sixty points on you, yeah, I think I, I probably felt it more as captain. Uh, my second year was captain and um, had to do post match function. I think it was Joe Marlis fiftieth cat, and I had to go on stage and speak and try and, and try and be a kind of stoic loser, um, which I, I tried to be. But you can remember that you see, you, you just don't want to feel like that again. Uh, I certainly didn't. So I don't think there was any kind of. It wasn't really spoken about in the week before. I think it was probably just more just personally, you know, people felt like they had to you know, do some making up for, you know, themselves and the team a little bit. But you're right, you don't, you don't, you don't get to necessarily get that one back. It, it was gone, and uh, doesn't erase 2017. I don't, even, I don't even think 2018 made up for it. No, no, okay. So the the, the story goes that um, we we know about Ryan Wilson and the, and the scrap in the tunnel, which we'll get to. But the story goes that the sort of seed was planted a few months before at the World Rugby Awards, where he was piling into a couple of sherbets and getting into England to winning awards at that ceremony and whispering sweet nothings into Eddie Jones's ear. Is that about right? I I wasn't there. I know that I know Finn Russell organised a private jet over. I think 
and they told their missus that their girlfriends weren't allowed to come, but they <laughs> they brought Ryan and uh, someone else as their plus ones. Um, it was Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell with Ali Price and Ryan Wilson, I think. It was I the plus that, one. That sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, I, yeah, there was I've just been a bit of chat about that. It wouldn't surprise me, put it that way. Yeah. Did, was he, I don't know, because he's become famous for that little scrap and stuff for that. And did it genuinely have an effect on your side, John, that, that there was a bit of a like, you're not coming up here and no, having one I, for three. I, I didn't know what happened. So I, I had no idea. I I, um, I always like to get first. I would always run and change them afterwards and always imagine I wanted to be that captain that would be in the middle of it. You know, see those, I grew up, you know, watching Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane in the tunnel and, you know, I was in the bogs when that happened. So I missed, <laughs> I missed it all. Um, and and genuinely, after after the match and the journalists, you know, what impact did I have? And I had no idea and I wasn't the only one. So um, it's only after you saw Again, it's easy to you know it's post hoc you know narrative that this this was a sign. Ryan just is that he always has been that kind of player. Likes to not he still is annoying. One of my best mates because he just wants to annoy people. And <laughs> and he got he got got under uh, Owen Farrell's skin that day. And I don't think it had an impact on the game. Owen Farrell's you know far too smooth an operator to you know let something like that influence something that happens. You know 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes later. Yeah, were you around for it, Courtney? You're not a man whose feathers are ruffled off, are you? No, I didn't. I didn't see it at all. I didn't know it happened either, to be honest. I, I don't know if I was... I must have been in... I must have gone in before before it kicked up. I don't like to be involved in it, actually. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> might have finished sooner. <laughs> yeah, well, um, no. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't mind a good scrap. So, yeah, it would have been right in my alley. But, uh, no, unfortunately, I missed, I missed that as well. Was there, from your perspective, Courtney? Was there something different, maybe, about Scotland that day, or do you just think it was one of those where they got it right, you got a couple of things wrong? There was actually a try disallowed that, that may have been given for Danny Kerr. He always maintains that he should have had one, shouldn't he? Like, what what was different about that game for you in eighteen? Uh, yeah, was that the one? We, um, did yeah, the one got disallowed because I shot out the line and hit someone in the night. But he said, "I'm not." Oh, yeah. It was it was Joe yeah. Norbury fiddling around in Iraq as well. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a, a little knock on them. Yeah, it was that one. I don't know. They they all kind of joined together over the years. But um, yeah, I remember that game. Just it was a really competitive game, and it was really close. And then just yeah, a few things like Finn was obviously just just starting to find himself really as a player. I think, uh, especially for Scotland, um, and he made a couple of pretty outrageous plays, um, as well as us underperforming in terms of you know just just simple one-on-one tapping and stuff like that and and that's a test match at the end of the day and and you know we're obviously really disappointed we went into the game heavy favorites um and um yeah to end up losing that was was incredibly disappointing um because we we should have done better honestly but um you know um scotland were better than us on the day and and that that's what counts yeah John, you can take us away on the on the Finn pass if you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, I was chatting to someone about this earlier this week, and my, I feel like I was playing a different, and I feel like I must have played a different sport because he threw that pass, and I was shouting, "Don't to not throw the pass!" So I've <laughs> I saw what was in front of me. That was the kind of the zone I played within. You know, Finn's corner touched, and he's probably starting to find himself then, and since went to Racing and then back to Bath and really established himself so um as well as I, I didn't actually realize how good a pass it was until afterwards and you see on the the, the spider camera above the overhead one it's, it's a pretty 
yeah, a pretty bold pass to throw in your twenty-two, and that's the kind of player he was. But yeah, I don't. I'm similar to I don't. Have, I don't have huge. It all does kind of blur into. I remember um, that moment and the try that came off it, and and Sean. I think Sean uh, Hugh Jones scored a good under the post. I guess Hugh probably one of the better games that Hugh played. Scored two tries that day actually. Um, yeah, it was kind of, it was still a tight, you know, Emerson was a, a big Scotland. It was still tight right at the end. Um, but yeah, it was, it was typical. I think it, was, it wasn't that wet that day. Slightly drizzly, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember, because, John, the other bit of it was that you and Hamish watched and had loads of joy at the breakdown. Um, you're on the right side of Nigel Owens. Was, was that a concerted plan for that week of just going hammer and tongs at jackling and getting the breakdown? I mean, it's always important, isn't it? But was there a particular plan that week to go for it? Uh, I mean, no more so than normal. I think I don't remember. Were you in the back row there, Courtney? I don't remember. Ah, uh, yeah, I was playing six. Yeah, Chris Robshaw was at seven. Who was at eight? Um, Nathan Hughes, I think. Oh yeah, it was Nathan. It was Nathan. Yeah. yeah, it was Nathan. So I think there was a chat, a bit of chat from Vern before that it might be Chris Robshaw moved to to play a bit more blind. So there might be a bit more opportunity on the floor today. And the way Nigel was referee in the game at the time, and there was a bit of room for playing in there and I, th- I think we probably got there was a couple like in our 22 and that's you quite touched on it the, the fine margins you know a couple of scrums England had in our 22 and we get turnovers and the uh, turnover that came before that that led to Finn Russell's pass as well so you know different referee different day potentially you know small margins and you don't get those turnovers so there, there was a I guess to add to your credit there was a thought that maybe there would be some a bit more space in the ground but also you know I've been involved a number of times where you think that and you're getting smoked all over the place and you make bad decisions and you you really sell yourself short and end up being defensively quite shy so um yeah it worked that day i guess that's the only way i can answer it yeah yeah with both of you 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 must have had opponents you've had over your career where you've had a long run of not being able to beat them, but then you get the first one is there something in like it's obvious i suppose but the belief you get from getting the first one that then bleeds into the other matches i don't know courtney whether you found that with maybe the All Blacks or something in the past where you've struggled to beat them for years and then got one and then at least a two, three? Um, well, I think I've only beat the All Blacks twice, so <laughs> maybe not. Um, yeah, two or three times, but we, we've never, I don't think as a team necessarily had that. We've had obviously good good wins against everyone, really. Um, but, the, the, you know, you know, the most... Blatant one is definitely um, this kind of, you know, Scotland against us at the minute, whereby you know they get they get that one game, their foot in the, kind of their foot in the door, uh, and then they're just kicking it open kind of thing. So, um, <coughs> yeah, like, um, and and they'll definitely like you. I'm sure you'll 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 speak on this, but you can definitely get a lot of confidence. You know, once you get that win, you understand that we are as good as them. You know, we we can beat them. Uh, and if we just play uh, play our game well, you know, we'll, you give yourself a chance rather than going into every game thinking, Jesus, we need to play out of our skin to beat these guys. It just becomes no, no. We just need to we just need to play well. You know, we just need to do our do our job, and and, uh, and we've got the ability to be in. John, I know that eighteen was your, your last one, but the the crazy draw in nineteen, maybe that plus twenty eighteen sows the sort of double belief because. Not just doing it at home, but doing that at Twickenham as well. Yeah, I I blew my Achilles out after that Six Nations and missed the following year. And then, yeah, I was doing I was doing a bit of corporate stuff, and I was in a a, a box with Ugo 
Austin Healy and someone else. And I remember thinking this was. I mean, 2017 was bad. This is this is torture being in this room. Um, <laughs> but it was it was. Yeah, that's that was a biz- bizarre game. I mean, we were really we knew we said let's just go. We we're going to go to the pub uh, around the corner. Get out, beat the rush. Shoot McIntyre scored by halftime. I thought well, let's wait. And it just yeah, it was a bizarre. I was involved in 2010 against Wales where they went the other way. Um, it just was a crazy game, and it was, it was it was actually quite cool. Not just as a Scotsman to be in a, in a stadium, just to feel that kind of that sense of a whole stadium in panic. That kind of rising, kind of sense of like, what the what's going on here? And it kept anything. I can't score again, and it happened, and it was a yeah, bonkers game. We end up thinking this could be a humiliation to we've won to we've drawn, but it feels like a loss. Um, yeah, I, I, I did to your point earlier on, on. Is it like a psychological advantage to beating that team once? Um, I, I never maybe maybe a bit of that, but I always I, I was maybe my outlook in rugby. I was always like, there needs to be more than that. that you need to, you know, one game doesn't make up for that. And I was always keen to try and, you know, double up on that. But um, it looks like this team now, they don't, there's not a fear there. I don't think there was necessarily a fear per se, but there was definitely a sense that these guys are better than us. Uh, we need to rely on that emotional side of the game a bit more as now. I think Gregor Townsend spoke about it last week with uh, Chris Jones saying, like, it's not, it's just, it, he was too emotional in that 27, 2019 game, sorry. It's actually not really about that. That's what, you know, Courtney's saying. It's, you know, it's not you take that emotion out of it, and it's actually if we play our game, and there's lots of things that can go wrong, then I think the Scottish team will believe, and certainly have done in the last four, five, six years against England. There, they, they they play well, <clears throat> they'll put themselves in contention. Certainly, yeah, yeah. So, Courtney, the the last time England did beat Scotland, 2020, was you talking about dodgy weather in Scotland? That was like the absolutely worst one ever, wasn't it? Storm Kira and everything else, but that was a proper sort of. Get out, get the job done, get home, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, was that the one Genji scored right at the end? Yeah, thirteen six in a horrendous. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare, nightmare. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was, I think, that was my last game at Marrowfield. So um, yeah, yeah. I went out on a win. <laughs> I tell you that. Uh, but yeah, it was but a is, tough game. Tough game. Is there something like Ben Earl was speaking about this with us the other day of like? Maybe there's a blueprint in there of, of that's possibly how you have to shut down the game at Murrayford these days. Like with the team that they've got, I know the weather conditions were brutal then. But is there? Do you think there's seeds in that for how England can do it this weekend? Uh, no, I don't. I don't like uh, if it's going to be um, a dry day as well. You're, you know, what we can do, not pass the ball, just try and pick and go. <laughs> <laughs> Just we can go more. Uh, we can go from the halfway line. Uh, no, <laughs> no I, f- I think England have everything they need to beat Scotland. Like, yes, Scotland are a good team. Uh, yes, they're in form. Um, but we want, yes, we are a good enough team to beat them. It's not, we're not, um, you know, a significantly better team, you know, than them as we were in the past. But that doesn't matter. Everybody's good nowadays. You're going to have to go out there and earn every game, every win. Um, and if you go out there and earn it, then you know you get you get yourself in position to win the game. So um, you know they need they need to they need to believe that in the game plan um, and yeah and 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 back themselves. Yeah. So John, obviously, twenty one first win at Twickenham is eighty three, no fans, but did it with fans in twenty twenty three. 
uh, Finn Russell's cross kicks in 2022, Cowan Dickey volleyballing one into touch kind of helped in that one, didn't it? Um, what have been the keys, do you think, to the to the recent Scottish run? I think if they win another one, it'll be the first time they've beaten England four times in a row since the 70s, 1970 to 72. So it's historic stuff they're aiming for this weekend. Um, I mean, yeah, certainly last year was, a, yeah, again, another game that could have gone either way, really, if you look at it. Um, and probably the moments that have separated the teams since 2018 is probably just little moments of individual magic. Um, and I think that's what you see in, in the top test matches now. They're, they're so organized, so disciplined. You, you assume that's a level playing field that is in the day. You need something to break it up. In 2018, it was, you know, Finn, Finn Russell. Um, you look at last year, you know, that Duan van der Merwe try, you don't see many tries like that kicking around, you know, uh, and that's that's kind of what, that that's probably it. I think Scotland have probably brought in a few guys that can bring in that that X X factor and moments, big moments in a game. But it's, it's no surprise; it's always the same. You know, Finn Russell plays well. Scotland generally play well, and you could say that almost about every team, but probably more so with Scotland, given I just I, just how good I think he is and how important he is to the team. He plays well, which a lot of things have to go into that. Scotland generally. We'll get we'll get Courtney's other take on this in a second, but John, what's the kind of what would you expect the Scottish psyche to be this week with England coming and the the like rank disappointment of that TMO decision at the end of the France game? I hope it galvanises them a bit. Uh, I, I wouldn't imagine they'll be feeling sorry for. So I think that'd be the, the great thing about that those fallow weeks is you. I think the emotional roller coaster of the Six Nations, you know, it's can be quite quickly over before you realise but that, that gap week probably happened at a good time just to park that emotional disappointment and get the frustration out because it's gone and you can't you can't piss and moan at, you know for eternity as much as we'd like up in Scotland but it's um, yeah I think they'll, they'll be in a pretty good headspace um, I think you look at some of the rugby they played the first half against France was a terrible second half with the kick battle and the way the game went but um the players of Gustav managed to be a lot more disciplined against France. And I think they'll be pretty content. The, the style of play has, I think, evolved for the better since the World Cup. It had to. They're becoming too predictable, but they seem to have learned, learned the lessons. So I think they'll be they'll be kind of confident, but also, you know, England went to a World Cup and, and did well, um, also coming off two wins. So, um, yeah, it's, all, it's, it's always the same. <laughs> you know, you're aware of the, the size of the challenge coming, um, but also nothing, probably nothing they will be... F- fearing that England side just because they'll have taken a bit of confidence from the first couple of rounds yeah Courtney take us into the the, the mindset of the English players this week would this sort of recent run in history be mentioned would it be talked about and sort of rattled around the, the, the team rooms uh, yeah I'm sure I'm sure um, I'm sure it'll be mentioned um, I don't think it'll be harped on about or you know we're not going to kind of hang our boots on that but you know you, you have to mention um, you know the past and the fact that you know we we need to go and win um, is is the fact of the matter um, and kind of on top of that in terms of you know you're talking about Finn and stuff but I don't know I don't know if a team in international rugby maybe not dependent is the right word but has integrated any single player into their game plan more than Scotland have done with Finn um, like he is so integral to what they do, and that—that's not to say um, the players around him aren't very good players, and they are. They've got a lot of good, good players, if not world-class players, in their team now. But his ability to 
you know, bring the best out of them as a leader now, um, give them the opportunities they need, especially in terms of their backline and stuff like that, and then get out of the forwards what, what he needs out of them um, is what kind of makes them such a massive threat. And I think if they had somebody else at 10, they'd struggle a lot more. Um, so if I was England, I'd go after Finn. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. So if you're still in England's back row, Courtney, how are you getting about that? Because I suppose there's always the balance between putting too many eggs in the Finn basket, I suppose. And if you, if he's got that one to play in him, you, you're left exposed. So where, how would you be approaching it if, if you were in the, in the team still? Uh, well, yeah, of course you can't just be uh, gunning for for one man. You need we're going to need to defend very cohesively. You know, we're going to be need to, need to be very connected. Um, otherwise, he's going to he's going to pick us apart. But what we can't do is give him time to play. Um, if we give him time to to play and do what he wants to do, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, you know, whatever you can do, get in his face. Um, if you get a chance to put a shot on him, put a shot on him. Um, you know try and get in his head it's quite it's quite hard with Finn because he's quite a relaxed bloke he doesn't take it all too seriously which which actually you know bows in his favor when you're talking about stuff like this and trying to rattle people um but as as much as we can disrupt his game um the the better kind of thing uh, but at the same time you know we can't put ourselves in a run pool position uh to do that and is it actions as well as words as well when you're trying to get in, into someone's pocket into someone's head yeah it's actually more than words that's that's what I'm saying like if you get shot on him put him down hold him there if you need to don't be stupid give him like penalties or anything like that but um, if you can disrupt him in, in any way shape or form do it um, you know it's all part of the game who can you see in that I mean there's plenty of people but particularly would you pick out of that England pack who's going to quite relish this challenge of doing that job I think uh, Benny O Unders Ches probably are, are good players out of the pack to go and do that all because they're they're very quick I know Ches is big but he's, he's a quick man um, so they can they can they will be able to get to him and they've also got really good engines they'll be able to just get up do it again do it again do it again and uh, it's going to be a big breakdown battle as well because if he gets quick ball, he's going to be dangerous. So we, we're going to need, you know, players in our full pack to really step up this game. Yeah, Johnny, it's always no fin, no fun, isn't it? But he's going to love this, isn't he? Everyone kind of does he? He would relish the fact that England are trying to get after him and stuff like that, and takes yeah. the ref from the smooth. I, I don't assume that's any different to every team playing against him. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing about defend like and Courtney touched on it you you you, you make it a, a personal thing defense if you do that you know the systems and cohesion that you you jeopardize so um the way England are defending now obviously a lot more aggressively getting off the line and giving space out wide um I don't there's, there's not really as much space for the middle he's one of those characters like like Courtney said again that is he's so aloof and you saw on that Netflix documentary he's he's you know Farrell got after him and it doesn't really phase him um he, he, he seems to be super relaxed and plays his own game so yeah he'll be aware of it he'll, they'll, they'll talk a lot about the challenge and the what's coming and, and more and more line speed more pressure on him I think and I think probably the last certainly the last 12 months someone like Sione Tupilotu has arguably become as important just because the, the space he gives Finn um, makes Scotland less predictable because he carries the ball you know like a bull but also they've got the structures in place that allow him to give Finn space in the ball so 
think there's some some kind of cute strategic technical stuff that Scotland have done to free Finn up. You saw a couple of moments against Wales as well, sweeping back against the blind. Um, there's ways you can take a bit of pressure off, but yeah, they're, yeah, they're going to be coming after Finn. Yeah, absolutely. Well, should we round up with some some predictions, lads? Makes for a tasty one. Courtney, start with you. Only one place to go. Well, I don't know. This was Tom Enterprise. Uh, <laughs> I th- I think it's going to be a high scoring game, actually. And, yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to go thirty-two twenty-five England. Oh, belter! What a game, John. It's never usually that much at Murrayfield, is it? Fifty odd no, points. It's meant to be eight degrees, which is which is summer here, which would be nice. <laughs> and I think it's going to be Scotland twenty-seven, England nineteen. Okay. Oh, so both going for not actually nippers. I think I my my no one cares about what I think, but I, I think <laughs> it's going to be a very tight one. But let's see. Pleasure to have both of you on the pod today, lads. Really appreciate it and. For everyone listening, you can read both of these guys in the Times coming up over the next few days and all through the tournament. Courtney, awesome to have you on. Thanks for coming, mate. Thank you. Appreciate it. John, too. Brilliant stuff as always. Thank you. You're going to be there doing the telly stuff, aren't you, on Saturday? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Good snacks for the BBC. (laughs) Happy days. Well, thanks for sharing your memories, lads, and and all the best of the weekend. Cheers, John. Awesome there to have the thoughts and memories of Courtney Laws and John Barkley, two esteemed Times columnists, which, as I said, you can read in the week and all through the Six Nations. It's almost here, Calcutta Cup on Saturday with the rest of the Six Nations action. And on the ruck, we'll be back to talk through it all on Monday. But for now, thanks for listening and enjoy the weekend's rugby. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history.